Hi, my name is Anne McElhenney. And I'm Phelan McAleer. Welcome to the Anne and Phelan Scoop podcast. Yes. Not the Anne and Phelan Scoop daily virus, yes. which is which comes out every day and so, talks yes. about the pandemic. Yes. So every day we, in the morning, we come out with the daily virus, which is a look at the madness and the views and the latest news. It really is everything you need to know about the pandemic in a handy 20, 25 minute wrap up. If you're and it's, every, and it's everything, by the way, that the mainstream media are not reporting on, yes. you know, like the facts. And some of the, what the mainstream media are reporting on, but are lying about. So we, it's a great analysis of, of the pandemic. Actually, and you we, can get it on all the platforms where you normally get your podcasts. Yes. Yeah. So Apple, Spotify, whatever. A lot of people have been writing about it saying that they have, have stopped watching the news pretty much as, as, as we would like to do. And this is a great way of making sure that they're still kept up to and date. And people have written really nice things. We're going to come to that later on. But people have said things like that. Actually, it's helped them get through the pandemic. Yeah. So if you're not listening at the moment to the pandemic, to our daily virus on the Anne Film Scoop, start doing it's it. It's not now. available on YouTube, but it is available on every podcast outlet. So yes. very busy show today, Anne. Yes. Door slammed. Door that. slammed. That's a cat, a cat all upset with himself somehow. Yes, it's not it, a cat. No, it's a wind. Because they're not allowed on the I've podcast. Win- I have every window and door open in the place, so there's a bit of a wind going through. Hopefully that, or we've been robbed. One or the other. Yes. So later in today's podcast film, we're going to be hearing from Joshua Phillip from yeah. the Epoch Times. Yeah, Epoch Times, a great outlet, newspaper outlet, uh, website, really telling the truth about so many things, with a particular focus on China. And they've been on about that. It was, it was, the newspaper was started by China, uh, Chinese immigrants. And they really have the truth uh, that people need to know. So they'll be talking, we'll be talking to them about the possible ban on TikTok, possible ban on, uh, not the ban, the Chinese, as they call it, the Chinese Communist Party virus, the Wuhan virus. The CCP virus. Yes. So we'll be talking about them to them later on, Joshua, uh, later on about that. And we'll be listening and dissecting Michelle Obama's ah. second instalment of her podcast. We listen so you don't have to. Um, and it's just as hypocritical. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. It's just as <laughs> hypocritical as the last one. Um, and and cringy. And cringy. But I, we really appreciate people really did enjoy yes. that one last week. Uh, yes. So first of all, we want to tell you about something that is on next week's show. Oh, yes. It'll be a sort of a book club. Uh, we're going to talk about Special the, event. Uh, the book American Dirt. American Dirt. Uh, written by Janine Cummings. It was actually one of, it was an Oprah Winfrey pick, one of her books, one of her, for her book club. And yes. it remains on her book club, despite the controversy. But we're going to come to all of that next yes, week. Yes, we're going to talk about how it was cancelled, how the author had to cancel a book tour for security reasons. Uh, we're currently reading the book. This is next week we're going to do this. We're currently reading the book and listening to podcasts about it. So we're really going to, we're going to bring you the true story about this attack on freedom and literature by the new liberal book burners uh, but first we want to give you a chance to read it so please download read it with us yeah download or buy american dirt so by janine cummings by janine cummings you can join in the conversation next week uh you don't have to read it because this is actually about more than the book uh this is about you know the, the violence against the book and the violence against the author and, and cancel, violence against cancel culture and violence against freedom we should warn you there's a lot of violence in it um and probably a lot of bad politics in it too uh Funny, and by the way, sorry, can I just actually slightly disagree with you and say, yes, there's a lot of violence in it. And I'm very, I have real issues with violence, but actually it's very palatable violence. So I, it, it, right. no, no, it's not, it's not terrible. What I've read so far. Yes. But we're not finished. But I was brought up in Northern Ireland. So, um, you know, I think we need to, you know, people are sensitive. So if you're, if you're anyway overly sensitive or particularly sensitive to reading about violence, don't, but you know, it'd be great if you could read this week. Let us know in the YouTube comments what you think. Then we're going to talk in detail about how, just 
just how insidious this whole uh, book banning is. So that's American Dirt, written by Janine Cummins. Uh, we'll be talking about it next week. And next week, uh, we will address your questions and concerns about our interview uh, on sex trafficking. Uh, many of you will remember we did an interview uh, two weeks ago with Elizabeth Nolan Brown of Reason.com, where we examined you know, what I would describe as the myth of sex trafficking and the many myths around sex trafficking. A lot of people um, uh, were, were upset by it. Some people were upset, but some people were interested in it. Some people responded positively. They responded, you responded in different places, email, in the YouTube comments. And I. Oh yeah, the place to write now is to go to our website, Unreported Story Society forward slash contact. Yes. And, and get in touch with us and tell us tell us what you think. No, well, ask your questions. Ask your questions. So, so, so next week I'm going to, basically, I thought I would talk about the topic again. But no, actually, I'm going to answer your questions. So ask me, AMA, ask me anything about sex trafficking A -M -A. next week. AMA, ask me anything. Yes. I never knew that. That's a thing? That's a thing. Is that a thing people say? AMA? Yeah. yeah. Oh God, I'm going to do that all the time. AMA. Yeah. Careful. Go ahead. Careful. AMA. Careful what you ask for. Yes. Okay. So, so, so um, next week, yeah. So, so, and you can ask about any aspect of, the, of what we discussed. You can ask why did I interview Elizabeth Nolan Brown? Where did her interest in sex trafficking come from? Uh, are we sure that it's a myth? What about child sexual abuse? All these things. We've had all these comments coming from various different people, um, and some people are upset. Some people are interested. So. Go to go to where on Reporter Story Society slash contact forward slash contact. Put your questions in there, but you can if, if that's too complicated. Go to YouTube, put your comments in there, send us an email, um, and I'm I really want to talk to you about this. I really want to answer your questions. So we've had a lot of really nice comments from last year, from last week, last year, from last week's podcast, um, last week's scoop. Um, and I thought we'd read out some of them. So Susan Crow, thank you. I love you two so much. Great episode. You make spectacular points. And I love the zero star rating. So we gave a zero star rating to Michelle Obama's podcast. Thank you, Susan. And then somebody called Dolly Nipples. There you go. Uh, you two are my favorite boomer and Jenner Xer couple. Now, I have a question for you, Phil, there. Am I being insulted somewhere there? I think you're being insulted. Who's the boomer? I'm the boomer. You're the boomer. And who's the Jenner Xer? Jenner Xer. What? What's, what's a Jenner Xer? I think a boomer. Uh, <gasps> is someone who's born in 1964 or before. Oh, don't I'm 64. Why, yeah. why, why would it be 64 and not 65 just, or 67? Them's the bricks. Them's the bricks. Okay, well, thanks for that, Dolly Nipples. Um, U812, okay, says a home wet bar. Oh, yeah, so this was an issue that came up because we we didn't know what a wet bar was. No, well, no, I know what a wet bar is. I, I've, I've been in wet bars. I've consumed oh, stuff. But how do you define a wet bar? So we had, a, we had a definition coming from U812 saying a home wet bar has a sink, a dry bar does not. They were movable if needed and popular for adult entertainment in the 50s and 60s. What O'Boomers have is a built-in kitchenette with built-in sink disposal and fridge. Yes. Fair enough. And then we love this from SILGCC three days ago. She says, as well, a Latino well, woman... No, but this is in reference to uh, Michelle Obama who... Who, instead of saying Latino... Uh, Latino. Just, Latino. 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 As a Latino woman, I'm LOL at how... Mich I'm laughing out loud at how Michelle says Latino. A wet bar is where the liquor is held. Nice. Um, Blood of Lockeye said, I love the wee segment there about accents. Latino. 
white and black woke people telling Hispanic people how to pronounce names. Yeah. Did you ever notice the woke... Bri- well, anyway, whatever, yeah. he goes on about that. Yeah. And brilliant show from Nancy Wenlock. Thank you, th- thank you, Nancy. Brilliant show. Haddison Stitches, each week my hobby, a naturalised American since 2011, originally from England, and I watch your broadcast. It's a Wednesday tradition now. Hooray, it's Wednesday. Keep up the stellar work. We all need the great comedy too. Thanks so much, Nancy. And lots and lots of other fantastic... Um, mentions including one um uh, on the podcast on the podcast so you can go to the apple podcast and leave and you know so go go to youtube or go to the apple podcast icon on your phone and listen to the podcast there leave leave a star rating hopefully five star, a, five rating. star rating or or a comment there we've gotten a lot of comments there and the more comments you leave the more the more further or the further up we go in the algorithm and more people get to see us. And then Can Deb, Deb wrote um, a, ni- a really nice message on the Apple Podcast app. I listen to them weekly, but I especially like their interview with the woman from Heritage Foundation talking about education during the pandemic and what might be developing in the future. Having homeschooled my kids who are now grown, I hope parents today of school-aged children will see that the possibilities are endless outside of government-run schools. I'm also glad Salem finally got a haircut. She's controversial. 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 Are you glad I got a haircut down? Yeah, actually, I am. I know it definitely, and it's got shape on it this time. And then somebody called Ooh, Bergenza, Bergenza wrote and said, Funny and affirmative and thorough. I read a piece by them in the Wall Street Journal back in April, and I've been hooked since then. I don't think I could have survived this ridiculous lockdown without them. I look forward so, to listening so Berg- on my daily walk. Oh, on the daily walk. Thank That's, you. See, so so some people, um, yeah. So that was the that was the op ed we did in the Wall Street Journal in April, and it was very interesting. It was the start of the uh, pandemic, and and a point we were making there was that so much in this pandemic has shone a spotlight on how ludicrous green policies are and yes. and green virtue signaling. So for the first thing that 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 many. Uh, municipalities did was ban reusable bags because they were germ carriers the first thing you know why why has southern california despite what you may be reading in the media survived and 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 really done really better than most places in in this uh pandemic it's because we're all in cars it's because we're all in single family homes which, public, so public well, transport all, doesn't work well in we're a all, pandemic because we're all in suburbs and greens hate suburbs greens hate cars they love public transport why you could actually trace the spread of the disease along the subway lines in of, new york in new york so you, if you want to go back and look at the wall street journal hopefully you'll get access to our, our uh, op-ed and you know remember we discovered the other day that one of our friends uh, who 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 thinks who says they care about us and says they they actually are interested in what we have to say didn't even know we'd written up ads to the Wall Street Journal. It's shocking. It's very upsetting. I mean, but first, let's get are, to Michelle those Obama. Are, those are Armenians. Let's let's first get to Michelle uh, Obama, who has dropped another podcast. So last week we got to hear Michelle's first podcast. She interviewed Barack. Big oh God, what a shocker! Um, thank you for all those nice things that you said again about that. And let's hear, by the way, because everyone really liked that. Let's hear Michelle say Latino again. Latino again. Latino. Let's hear it again. Latino. Okay. Actually, that's not her saying Latino. That's her saying Latino. Latino. No, that's her saying. She's actually trying to say Latino, but she actually says. Latino. Uh, dear Michelle, this is how you pronounce Latino. 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 Not Latino. Latino. Yes. Anyway, unless you're a virtue signaling hypocritical um, person, which she may be. Which she may be. But her guest this week 
is her dear, 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 dear friend from the Washington Post, Michelle Norris, who's an opinion columnist, formerly from NPR, and the first, Amer- first African-American female host of NPR, by the way. But also, coincidentally, that Michelle Norris's husband, Broderick Johnson, was the White House Cabinet Secretary for President Obama. So when Michelle Obama goes looking for guests in her podcast, my God, she looks very far afield, doesn't she? Yes. But we're going to come on to that, a bit yes. more about that. Well, but according to Michelle Obama, Michelle Norris is a, let's hear it. She is a decorated journalist. A decorated journalist. A I have never, I have never journalist. heard of a decorated. Soldiers are decorated. Mm-hmm. Generals room, decorated. Rooms are decorated, mm. but but journalists are not. Journalists do not. They can be award winning. They can be award winning. The other journalists can give them awards for telling lies, like the way the New York Times got Pulitzers for their coverage of the Russia hoax, mm-hmm. i.e., promoting the Russia hoax, uh, but. You cannot be a decorated journalist. No, right? it's quite an unusual way, actually. And I, I, I wonder what it actually means. Does it mean, in fact, that, in fact, she didn't ever get a prize, but she really, her friend really, her friend Michelle taught the other oh, Michelle should have got a prize. I'm sure people... And so get, said she's been decorated. Like, I would, you, like you decorate a Christmas tree. I would think that she did get prize. Look, if you're best friends with Michelle and Barack Obama, your fellow journalists will give you prizes. Fair enough. Uh, just for the access, almost. Um, but anyway, I think Michelle just doesn't know anything about journalism. Michelle didn't do any preparation. Michelle, actually, funny enough, didn't have anyone to write her script for her. You know, and this, you know, because you, you that would never pass anyone. Oh, yeah, decorated. And I also think Michelle doesn't have anyone to edit her podcast who will stand up to her. No, that's probably a problem. But anyway, let's get into. The, we're going to quickly go through just a little bit of what's wrong with the second episode of Michelle Obama's podcast um, and there's a lot there's an awful lot wrong with it and we mentioned a lot of it'd that be quicker stuff. to say what's right with it you know? uh, we mentioned a lot of that stuff that was wrong with it last week but um, but let's start this week by listening to what Michelle Obama thinks about many many Americans because we know that there are white folks who see us as not human and have been told stories about us that are not true that have no bearing on who we are as hardworking, decent citizens to know. Uh, so, yeah, that's going to create some kind of feeling when you, you you have to look at some your neighbor and say, is that what you think? Is is that how you see me or my brother or my my cousin or my is that what you think of us? Is is this where you want us to go as a country? And I think we have to have those conversations among, not just among ourselves, but with our neighbors and our colleagues. And I'm at a point in time where I need some clarity about, well, what do you mean? What Now, what do you really mean? What do you really want? What is really your vision for this country? So that's interesting. So basically, Michelle says, and I think we have to have those conversations among, not just among ourselves, we need to have those conversations with the other people, other but, people, not just among ourselves. But what, what conversations? Look at what she says, like, you know, because we know there are white folks who see us as not humans. And then she, then she talks, as you say, let's have a conversation. Let's have a conversation. Not among ourselves. Not among ourselves, but with those other people. Well, imagine, mm, let's think, Philem, you know, if only Michelle, if only Michelle had a way of having a conversation with somebody that's not like herself, ourselves, as she says, with somebody else. Imagine if there was a way that she could like maybe interview someone oh, outside like, of her circle 
like maybe like a podcast. If she had a, po- if only she had a podcast film on like Spotify, like a huge, massive platform. Oh, 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 she has. Well, knock me down with a feather. Well, knock me down with a feather. She has a podcast, and yet she chooses not to do the very thing she says needs to be done. She chooses, to have, a, she, she chooses to have a conversation. With herself. Says, wow, and I think we have to have those conversations among, not just among ourselves. Not just and among ourselves. And she chooses to have a conversation. With herself. With her best friend. With her best friend, her husband, her sister, her, not her sister, her mother, her brother. You know, this is who she's going to talk to. She is just going to talk to her own tight-knit. So, anyway, strike one for hypocrisy. And by the way, we're only getting started here. But so Michelle Obama sees racism everywhere. According to the, I mean, really, this, the lesson of this podcast is she sees racism everywhere. Everywhere. She, you know, she herself glided from media up job to media up job. Media up job. After her husband was, you know, diversity coordinator at some healthcare place. Uh, after her husband was elected into office in Chicago and then in the Senate, you know, then he was elected president. She was first lady, and her husband was elected and re-elected as president of the United States. But, but there's racism everywhere. Michelle is, and Michelle is a victim of it. We saw it in just how adamant Mitch McConnell was to, and how he treated the first black president. You know, the reaction to it on all sides, the, the, the vast discomfort with the notion that a black man could be sitting in the highest level of office. We saw that. We saw the signs. We saw the the nooses. We heard the, you know, but we had also hoped that, well, there were some people who elected him. You know, there's some people who voted for that black man. There, you know, things have changed. So th- there were signs. There were there were signs. That still doesn't take away the the hurt and the pain that comes with realizing that the people that we, so many of the people we share this planet with, the people that we've worked for, whose floors we've cleaned, whose fields of cotton we picked, who we've tried to live next door to and raise our children with, the people we serve on boards with and sit in classrooms and got degrees with, that they still don't see us as human. What does it take? How do we get here? How, how are we still here? And how are people okay with it? And that hurts. Yeah. Wow, Michelle. So Michelle Phelan has sat on boards with people who don't think she was human. So we have a suggestion. We've yes. an important contribution to make here, yes. Michelle. Yes. You know what you need to do, Michelle? Mm-hmm. You need to name them. You name go, them. You go girlfriend. Go girlfriend. Uh-huh. You name those people, those racists that you know about who are sitting on boards all over this country. Name them. And by the way, you have to name them. You have to name it's them. A, it's a national... It's, by the way, this is... The country deserves this. The, you, the, the country deserves... You have nothing to lose, Michelle. You have nothing to lose. No one, you're not, Your no life gonna, is fabulous. No one's going to cancel you, Michelle. You'll never get cancelled, Michelle. But also, you, you cannot allow people who you sat on boards with who, who, think, are who think black people are less than human. You yeah. cannot allow them to be on other boards. No, you can't. You, in in good conscience. So please, Michelle, name them. Name them, Michelle. Name all you've these all, racists. And, and, and you've obviously taken notes. You're a lawyer. You've taken notes of the times. You won't forget it. And the comments. You know their names. You know their names. You know what they said. You have notes of it. You have lawyerly notes. You must do it, Michelle. Because if you don't, 
people people might think you're 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 making this up. People might think you were a liar. And you wouldn't we, want that. And we know that's not true. We know that's not true. Michelle. So, Michelle. So, and also, it's just... If, it's a public service, Michelle. If I, honestly, if I, if I knew someone... If I knew somebody who was a racist sitting on a board with all that not power... Just a, not just a racist. But everyone. But not know, just racist. No, worse than racist. That you're not... That they think black people aren't human. These people need to be named and shamed. And if you don't do it... Well, we're, of course, she's going to do it. She's going to do it. Go ahead there, Michelle. And name them. We we'll look her, forward to that that's next gonna week. That's going to be her third That'll podcast. be next week. That'll be the third. You go, girlfriend. You go, girlfriend. But one of the most ridiculous parts of this very ridiculous podcast of Michelle Obama's is when she talks about the protests. Film. how does Michelle Obama describe these protests? What are they called? What adjective does she use? Riots. Riot. Very violent. You know, let's think of all of the looting, potential, looting. potential adjectives she should use. Attacking police. Looting, attacking civilians, actually murderous protests. Isn't murderous it? protests. Because they're actually a lot violent of protests. Yeah. Well, it's what does she remind me of? What does she describe them as? The peaceful protests. Michelle Obama calls them the peaceful protests. She doesn't even say the mainly pro- peaceful protests. She says the peaceful protests. They're so peaceful, she says, that they help her sleep at night. Let's have a listen to the first lady describe the peaceful protests. Former first lady. The peaceful nature of these protests. That is, that helps me sleep at night, that, that reminds me of the truth, you know, that no matter how I feel or what my lull is, that we are making progress. There is that truth. And Barack and I talk about it all the time, that this is a generation that is not used to the way things were because we raised them differently. And we meaning every parent, black, brown, white, rich, poor, we instilled in this generation a different sense of fairness and justice, right? Because all these kids wouldn't be out on the sh- in the streets if they weren't hearing something. Michelle, what planet are you living on? What planet are you living on, Michelle? 29 people have died, Michelle, Michelle during these peaceful protests. That doesn't sound like the definition of a peaceful protest to me. What do you say, Phil? I have been in a number of unpeaceful protests. I have been in a number of peaceful protests. I can tell you, 29 people dying. Mm-mm. That's not a peaceful protest. No. No, that's not a peaceful protest, I Michelle. Mean, you need to go back to college now, Michelle, if you think that that's what a peaceful protest looks like. Yes. And I'm just wondering what's been going on. You see, she's up in Martha's Vineyard. Maybe they don't have a good signal on the television. I don't know what's going on, but she seems to be very cut off from the world. Yes. It's, almost like, it's almost like she lives in another planet in a kind of a gated community, in a beautiful, isolated place up in Martha's Vineyard. Oh, yes, she does. Ah. But anyway, Michelle can't help herself when it comes to being completely shameless and lacking in all self-consciousness. Let's have a listen to this little moment from Michelle. And that's something that we need to, that's a part of that reflection that we need to do, you know, with ourselves and, and, and as a community. And we have to think about that in terms of how uh, wealth is distributed, you know, how, how these essential people are supported, and what does that mean? A lot of these people are broke. They don't have health insurance. You know, honestly, you know, well, I, I just love it. It's Marie Antoinette. It's not Marie. It's worse than Marie Antoinette. Here she is with her three houses. Three houses, by the way. Not just three. And they're not three cottages either. Three and maisons. She's, three maisons. And she's talking about wealth distribution. Do you know what, Michelle? We have a suggestion for you. Go ahead and distribute. 
Go yes. ahead there, Michelle. I want, I, I want the Martha's Vineyard. We'll one. take the Martha's Vineyard, darling. Yeah, we'll take the Martha's Vineyard and we'll invite people there. We could start a, like a, we could like, like start like a summer school film. We could like educate people there. We could bring start, journalists. Start there. an artist colony. We a journalist start, colony. We could start an artist colony. Journalists. Or you know what you could do is bring... Other voices. We could have conservative oh. journalists to encourage other voices. Because diversity is so And important. we could set it up at Martha's Vineyard at their house. And it could be uh, residential. And there could be people coming in for conferences. And great idea, Phelan. It's a great idea. But anyway, on last week's episode, when we looked, listened to Michelle Obama's podcast, so you didn't have to, she said she'd been having a great time. By the way, look, with I Barack heard, Obama. I heard, I heard you say, look at, what's with that picture? Which picture? Of her and Barack. Oh, sitting on the chair with her, it looks like she's not wearing any knickers kind of thing. Well, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit scandalous, the photograph, which we'll show again now. What is she wearing there? What do you think she's wearing there? We can't quite work it out, but very much, I suppose she's wearing comfortable clothing there now. Okay. Let's, let's put it that way. Right. Uh, but of course, anyway, Michelle said he last... was wearing comfortable clothing. She'd not throw the first stone. And by the way, there's a lot of comfortable clothing being worn around here. Yes. So we should be very careful about yes. saying that, yes. Phil. And yes. don't be pushing up on that wire now or That's we'll it. all be in trouble. So last week, uh, Michelle had said that she and Barack were having a fantastic time together in quarantine. It was just great. But now, a week later, she's saying... That's not the whole story. And then, in fact, she's been suffering from low-level, excuse me, low-level depression. Low-grade depression. Oh, excuse me, low-grade depression, like as opposed to low-level. <laughs> so, low-grade depression. Let's hear her talk to us and describe the low-grade depression. Mm-hmm. And spiritually, these are not, they, they are not fulfilling times, spiritually, you know. Um, so, I, I know that I am dealing with uh, some form of low-grade depression. Not just because of the quarantine, but because of the racial strife and just seeing this administration, watching the hypocrisy of it day in and day out is dispiriting. So actually, Phelan, I have a question. What's happening here is she's depressed by the hypocrisy of the administration. But go on ahead there. What is it now? You it's low grade depression. Is it like, you know, not high grade depression as opposed to so there's low level depression and there's low grade. It's low grade. It's not quite doesn't quite make it to the. The sterling heights of other depression. Anyway, no, sorry. Yes, she's alarmed by the hypocrisy. It's causing her... Day out, day day in, day out. It's dispiriting, the hypocrisy. So she's not depressed by all the, you know, by the the dead in the protests. No, she's actually depressed by what she calls the hypocrisy coming out of the administration. Listen to me now, Michelle. You could teach the whole world the definition of hypocrisy yourself and Barack. You... In the position that you're in, with all of the extraordinary power you have and the amazing, loud megaphone you have, chose not to use that megaphone, not to use your star power and your leadership role to go out and speak at these peaceful protests and ask those peaceful protesters to please stop murdering each other, to please stop destroying property, injuring people, looting, burning, burning up buildings. Yeah. Um, attacking the police. You could have done that. Don't talk to us about hypocrisy, Michelle. And you talk about inequality, Michelle. You talk about inequality, Michelle, from your three homes. Could this woman teach the world about hypocrisy? I you have so. a podcast platform and you have a Netflix, Netflix platform. Enormous flat And platforms. a book platform. And a book platform. And you know what you've chosen... And a documentary platform. And you know what you've chosen to do with all those platforms, you and Barack? You know what you've decided to do with all those platforms? You've decided to just talk about yourselves. The first original program you made for Netflix was... A documentary about <coughs> your book tour. 
about your book tour. The first podcast, original podcast you made for Spotify was about you and interviewing your husband, your mother, your brother and your best friends. And you talk about the need for a dialogue and that, that it's really important not to talk to your friends, but to talk to the other. And instead of that, you talk only to your friends. You are the hypocrite in chief. You could teach the whole world to be hypocrites better than just about anyone. It's, it's just beyond... She can have a summer school in hypocrisy at the Martha's Vineyard. We could <laughs> can call I have it, a little bit of that water, please? They could call it the hypocrisy uh, conference, you know. Anyway, Phelan, earlier she's, today... She's taken the Hippocratic Oath. She has taken it uh, way seriously. Anyway, that's... Uh, yes, so earlier a, on, today... On a, nicer, on a nicer note, earlier yes. today, who did you talk to, Phelan? I talked to Joshua Phillip of the Epoch Times. Uh, really, there's, if you want to know what's going on in China with, about TikTok, about uh, Hong Kong, about the, the arrests of people, and then, of course, about the Wuhan virus, the coronavirus, the Chinese Communist Party virus, really what's going on at the media... Mainstream media won't tell you. The place to find it is Epoch Times. Joshua Phillip is one of their China experts. So earlier I spoke to him. Let's go over now and hear what he had to say and you won't want to miss this. So Joshua Phillip is an award-winning investigative reporter with the Epoch Times and host of the China Report. He's also an expert on different types of warfare, particularly as they pertain to the modern world. He's particularly interested in unrestricted war, asymmetrical warfare, um, uh, uh, which sums up many of today's conflicts. Um, he's also an expert on subversion, which is interesting uh, given the world we live in. And he has studied and researched the Chinese Communist Party for over 10 years now and is an expert on their intentions, strengths and weaknesses. Um, Joshua, thank you very much for coming on the show. I said, yeah, my pleasure. Some great topics. Yes, yes. So, um, the president, uh, first of all, I wanted to talk to you about TikTok. The president is talking about banning TikTok. Isn't TikTok just a, a, a social media site, you know, where, where teens and young people post silly videos with music? Well, TikTok is, of course, this social media app, one of the more popular ones. And everyone's probably seen videos of people uploading, you know, dancing and so on like that. It seems benign. But when it comes to the Chinese Communist Party and their influences over it, it's a bit complicated. Now, TikTok would argue that its servers for U.S. users are based in the United States and that they do not send data to the Chinese Communist Party. But if you understand the deeper context of this, well, under Chinese law, particularly under the national security law, um, they, they are required to allow the Chinese Communist Party access to data. All data needs to be secure and controllable by the Chinese authorities. And when it comes to the company that owns TikTok, ByteDance, the CEO of that company, right before TikTok came on the world stage, wrote a public letter in China self-criticizing himself and apologizing to the CCP for not closely following their guidelines when it came to using his platform for the interests of the party. Wow. And he vowed in that letter openly, again, public, public letter, to begin training his staff on following the directives of the CCP and using his business to advance the interests of the CCP. When, when was that letter sent? I believe it was 2018, but uh, it was recent. It was, it was right before TikTok really became pretty popular. And, you know, just to put this in context, people say, oh, that sounds very um, paranoid. But actually, American, most American companies are obliged to withhold data for the American government to, and give over 
America, data to the American security authorities on, producers, on production of a warrant or a subpoena. So it's not that much of a stretch to see that the, that the Chinese government, the Chinese government just don't have the same rule of law, but they do have laws and, and, and regulations that are not that dissimilar from the American authorities. What can the Chinese government do by, by having access to TikTok's data? Well, it depends on who you are. Maybe you're a business owner and through TikTok or through another app that it's able to access other information on your phone because a lot of times when you say download an app and grant it access to your phone, a lot of times you're granting it access to more than just things directly under the app itself. It could be your contact list. It could, for example, be with TikTok, one of the things they were found doing was key logging users, even when you're not on the app. Uh, there was a security video person was typing and they found that every time they typed something, uh, it was sending the data to TikTok. And so imagine imagine if you're in a position, business, government, security, so on. And keep in mind, the U.S. government has already banned TikTok for government employees, that everything you're typing on your phone is being logged by TikTok. Uh, so there's a huge security risk there. So let me just get this correct. You call it key logging. So the app goes in, kind of monitors your phone, and then everything you write on the phone on every app is then retrievable by whoever owns TikTok, whoever has access to TikTok, correct? It does appear to be so. In fact, there were a few different apps that were caught doing that. TikTok was among them. What, what does the President Trump want at the moment? Does he, is he going to ban TikTok? Does he want Microsoft to buy it? And do you think he's going to get what he wants? What's going to happen next? It's, it's, there's some different voices on it. President Trump himself has been pushing Microsoft to buy it, and he wants them to buy the whole company, not like a 30% stake. One of his main advisors, Peter Navarro, who's one of the you know, main China advisors, he's the author of the book Death by China, he's a real good China expert. Yeah. He's saying that Microsoft buying it really wouldn't make much of a difference because Microsoft works so closely with the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, anyways. And so there are a few different voices on this. Should people allow their child, children to download TikTok? We have a friend who's not allowing his children to download it and the children are, are fighting back as they do. They're, they're 12 and 13. What should he say to his children uh, about that? Or, or is, it, is it too complicated? It, it is complicated because on some levels, kids probably don't care if a foreign government is monitoring their data. Why, why, they don't think that affects them. So who cares? Their friends are using it. Why not? If you were to ask me, and I'd say the same thing about a lot of different social media companies and the way really things are heading with technology in general, that I, I think we need to put the bar somewhere. You need to paint a red line somewhere that certain types of monitoring, there needs to be a point where we say, this is too much, this is too far, and I'm not going to support it. If, for example, a, pl a platform like TikTok that can be used possibly by Chinese authorities to carry out arrests of, say, human rights dissidents, like in Hong Kong they're doing, um, you know, the Chinese Communist Party doing, I think there needs to be a red line somewhere that if apps can be used by a regime that persecutes people based on belief, based on political ideology, based on public statements, that there needs to be a line somewhere. And I think teaching kids about that is something valuable for them, that they need to put some line of privacy somewhere, if not even further than that, put mm -hmm. a line on what they tolerate in terms of government repression. There's sometimes you have to take a stand against certain egregious activity. You have to take that stand. And I think young people get that nowadays. So let's talk about COVID-19 or as your newspaper. Uh, by the way, is it, I call it the Epoch Times. Other people call it Epic Times. What, what, what's, this, what's the proper pronunciation? Depends on where you're at. If you're in the UK or Canada, it is Epoch. 
Right. <laughs> so, technically, in American English, it would be epoch. Epoch. Okay, epoch times. Actually, tell people what the epoch times is uh, and what its history is, and why you're why it's such an expert on China. Uh, interestingly, uh, at this at this very interesting time. The Epoch Times was founded back in 2000 by Chinese Americans who wanted to create a publication that would never fold to Chinese Communist Party censorship. It was created by Chinese Americans who understood all the stuff that was happening in China and saw that pretty much no Western media outlet was really telling these stories. No Western media outlet really had a good grasp on China, as far as they were concerned. And so they wanted to create a media that not only could report on the true situation in China, and originally it was a Chinese language newspaper in the U.S. Uh, we've, of course, grown to, I think, 23 languages now. Um, but, to, but to really take a stand against censorship in general, to create a media that would never fold to pressure from the Chinese Communist Party to self-censor, to alter information, to withhold stories. And because of that, over time, of course, we expanded other languages and we do a lot of normal mainstream content now, not just China focused. Yes. But, you know, the idea was to create journalism that has the integrity that journalism used to have. And that, that was really the idea that started it. Well, I mean, I think that's never been more important than in recent years and in recent months. So I think we should talk now about COVID-19 and or as, as the Epoch Times calls it, the CCP virus, the Chinese Communist Party virus. So in that respect, can you spell out to our viewers and listeners just how, what the responsibility of the Chinese Communist Party is in, corona, in the coronavirus and, and, and how it spread and how quickly it spread and the damage it has caused? Because many people now are obsessed with 160,000 dead, which is, which is a tragedy, but the origins, you know, what China did um, and the effects that have has had has kind of got lost on the uh, on, on the consciousness. So let's let's talk about that. So when we first started using the term CCP virus, that was at a time when it was not controversial to call it the Wuhan virus or the Chinese virus, and we saw there there was a gap within the name of that, which is that the Chinese Communist Party tries to make its identity synonymous with that of the Chinese people. And really, this is not from the Chinese people. The Chinese Communist Party was the one that censored information, that arrested people, that did lockdowns internally, and still allowed people to travel outside of China despite that. They were telling people there was no, you know, say, human-to-human transmission, when data now shows that they knew there was human-to-human transmission. This was when the Chinese Communist Party, again, locked down borders, locked down travel within China, but still allowed people in Wuhan, the epicenter of the virus, to travel to other countries very likely knowingly allowing these individuals to go travel abroad and infect other countries with it. The CCP misled the world, lied about data, withheld information, and to this day has not been forthcoming with information that would let us know what the real origin of this virus is. Which, even if we were to take the narrative that maybe it came from an animal, if we don't understand the animal reservoir, if we don't understand the origin of it, we cannot stop its spread. And it's, it's crazy, to be honest, that the world has not taken a stronger stance in demanding these basic, basic answers when the entire world has been affected to such an extent. It's very important to remember that the Chinese government banned people from traveling from Wuhan to the rest of China, but didn't ban people from Wuhan traveling to the rest of the world. So China was protected, the rest of the world was left open and vulnerable. Well, and even more than that, while they were doing that, they began buying up all the global supplies of PPE, this personal protective equipment. In other words, they cornered the market on masks of medical equipment. And then once they controlled that, began using that as forms of diplomacy to strike deals, 
saying you have to, for example, sign this business deal with us, or we're not going to supply you with these masks that we now control the global market on. Amazing, amazing. Um, so, what do we know? What the latest is from China? I mean, they've produced figures that that, I mean. It's wrong to laugh at a tragedy, but the figures are laughable. It's what 4,000 uh, Chinese people have died from the virus, apparently. Do we know what the truth is? And, uh, you know, and how do we know that? Is there, how, are there ways of knowing this truth? There's not yet a way of knowing the truth. We, we do know there are current new outbreaks taking place in many parts of China, and there are new lockdowns in place in many parts of China. Beijing, uh, Xinjiang, many different parts of China have full lockdowns right now, like martial state type lockdowns. The virus there never seemed to have gone away, but they lied to the world that it, that, you know, saying it did go away, and then used that to try to launch this new business recovery plan. All the data is showing the situation in China is still very, very severe. And really, when it came to, say, for example, the funeral homes and you know, cremating bodies, they were working 24 hours, and just in Wuhan, for example. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to say, hard to say what the real numbers are, but it's pretty well understood, I think, by most people uh, at this point that they've not been honest with their data they've been showing to the rest of the world. Well, you look at a lot of the mainstream media, they publish the Chinese figure as if it's a real one, they, that, with no asterisks. Uh, you don't have to hate China or you don't have to be deeply skeptical. You just have to be a journalist to say, this is the figure that the Chinese have given. There's no way of independently, asterisk, there's no way of independently verifying this. Uh, they have lied before. It, on the face of it, it doesn't seem realistic that the place where the virus started, where we don't, when, when, especially when we didn't know how to combat it, when we didn't know what medicines worked and what didn't, that the death toll is probably much, 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 much higher. This was the big red flag for me because, I mean, I've been covering China since 2008, investigating, for example, their United Front operations, you know, spy operations and such. Um, with the Chinese Communist Party, the number one priority is the survival of the regime. And really, the virus outbreak happened at the worst time for them. It happened right at the, right at the height of the Hong Kong protests. It happened right at the height of this whole Trump, you know, China, Russia, sorry, China, U.S. trade deal where they were just finally getting things on paper with, with the U.S. Mm -hmm. And it happened right after the Taiwanese elections, where the CCP, you know, pro-CCP candidate, pro-Chinese Communist Party candidate, lost in a landslide. It happened right ahead of the uh, Chinese New Year, when you have about three billion travel arrangements in China. And it happened in the worst possible place, which is Wuhan, which is the main transit hub of all of China. And when it comes to the CCP's interests, they would not intentionally destroy their economy, lock down the whole country, cause mass, cause mass panic, unless the situation was, let's say, unless the cost of doing that was less damaging to the CCP yes. than allowing the virus to spread. Yeah. You know, killing 10,000 people for them is nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they have no problem throwing Muslim Uyghurs in slave camps and having re-education through labor and torture and live organ harvesting. For them yeah. to you know, lose 10,000 people to save their economy, it's nothing. Yes. And so really the situation in order for them to take such drastic measures would mean they would have need to they would have had to have seen the threat of that virus spreading as a greater threat to the CCP's survival than failed economy, than backlash from lockdowns, than causing pretty much an international ripple in terms of destroying soft power initiatives and damaging international relations. I mean really just as a, a way of understanding the significance of this. 
One thing, just on a lighter note, and before we say uh, thank you and, and goodbye, we always ask all our guests for their go-to recipe. My current favorite recipe would be a Chinese pork belly dish. I believe it's a Taiwanese dish, actually. You take pork, you take pork belly, slice it into cubes. You put in uh, dark soy sauce, light soy sauce, a bit of uh, rice wine, mm-hmm. a bit of sugar, a bit of star anise. Mm-hmm. Cook it up. It's super good. Just in a, in a wok or in a pan, yeah? Yeah, you do, do it in a pot. You can cook it in a pot, cover it. Yeah, let it slow cook. It's real good. Ser- served with what? A bit of rice is fine. A bit of vegetables to balance it out because the, the pork belly can be pretty heavy by itself. Okay. Yeah. So uh, what's uh, your favorite piece of art? A, a play, a movie, uh, a musical? Something that has moved you and why? Favorite movie of all time would have to be Seven Samurai from Akira Kurosawa. Uh, growing up, I, I did Japanese martial arts. Uh, I was very much into uh, Temi Aiki Jiu-Jitsu. And so very much into that culture. One of my hobbies on the side of all this is I like to, le- I like to read folk tales. I like to read mythology um, across most countries, Chinese, Japanese, uh, Greek, Roman, you, know, you name it. I, I, lo- I love it all. But uh, favorite movie of all time, definitely Seven Samurai by uh, Kira Kurosawa. Well, thank you very much, Joshua, for, for joining us today. Um, it's, it's a very important topic. China and its influence. I mean, we've only touched on it here. As you say, they're, they're, they have spy operations, they have business operations, but they also, I think the, another aspect of the Chinese uh, influence is, is through the universities. And that's an, inter- that's, that's an international movement all over the world, Ireland, England, everywhere. So we'll, maybe we'll have you back talking about that as well later on. Uh, but for now, thank you very much and thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure, thank you. Thank you. Well, that was very interesting. Um, I mean, he was, I mean, he's just, he's great. And I'm sorry I wasn't able to come on that, <coughs> on that interview. I had an, actually a little bit of a cough, which we were concerned about earlier, but we are no longer concerned about yes. it, even though I, now, of course, I have a little bit of pop. What, el- what I, else do we have to remind people well, about? Well, you have to remind people about next week. You know, if you want to take part in the conversation, uh, American Dirt, read American Dirt. And uh, don't, also, don't forget to go to and uh, put comments on YouTube or ask me anything, go to the Unreported Story Society. Uh, Forward slash contact. contact. Any questions about sex trafficking, uh, listen to the interview again. Uh, let me know your questions and your concerns, and I will answer whatever you, questions you have. And we want to finish today with um, a nice story we came across. So basically, um, and I don't know where in the I'm trying to work out now, actually, where this happened in the country, but we'll put this up on the screen. And, and I'll, 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 I mean, let me do it will find it as I talk. Yes. So basically, there was a Kroger, which is like a Ralph's, whatever. Kroger. Kroger. Okay, I'm saying it wrong. A Kroger, <laughs> which is a, a supermarket. And in that supermarket, a Karen, you know, all know what a Karen is. So this interfering woman went into this supermarket saw a woman who was not wearing a mask and got really irate and was shouting at the woman and then took it further and went to the manager of that Kroger Mm -hmm. and said you need to deal with this woman you've got to deal with this woman and the manager went over did speak to the woman who wasn't wearing a mask and then you know came away from that woman or whatever and the woman who wasn't wearing a mask continued to not wearing a mask we don't know why whatever whatever the reason was right but the original Karen, who was upset, went nuts 
and basically went online and went everywhere she could go to try and get this guy, the manager of the Kroger store, to be sacked. Yeah. By the way, the guy's uh, name is Andy. So this Kroger store is in Swansea, Massachusetts. In Swansea, Massachusetts. How, how do you pronounce it? Ma- Massachusetts. Mathis. Massachusetts. Massachusetts. So a randomer, I love this. This is the one, you know, there's some good things about the internet. A randomer who is identifying herself on Twitter as Target Tory. Um, T-O-R-I. T-O-R-I. Went on uh, the interwebs and started a GoFundMe page for this manager of the Kroger store. And originally she was looking for $5,000 to send him on, on a vacation. holiday. On a, what you call a vacation. I'm just looking here. They've almost now raised 21000 Um for uh, this guy to send this guy on holidays and I will be trans- she says I will be transferring the funds over to him and post a screenshot when completed so we just thought that was a very nice story and can I just say something I hadn't said to you earlier which I was just thinking about because you know we have a special project coming up very soon yeah. and just a nice gentle segue to let you know to that we will be looking um, for help to get this incredibly important project, project. done which uh, will set the record straight on a number of things that need to be known by the population in advance of any kind of election or whatever. Yes. People need to know the facts, yes. need to know what um, what happened and what didn't happen and all so of that please kind of thing. Keep your, yeah, keep keep your, your wallet ha- close. Yeah, yeah. But in the meantime, if you like what we do, don't forget to go to Unreported Story Society. And leave a comment. Uh, but also leave a donation. Oh, and you can leave a donation at unreportedstorysociety.com. Yes. Unreportedstorysociety.com. We particularly like sustaining members. We love our sustaining give, members. Uh, uh, amount every month that allows us to pay the bills and allows us to plan so that'll be great news thank you thanks bye okay bye